0: You can open with me, let's do the easy one, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Acts 2, 42, and then open to Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to look at verse 26 through 30. Acts 2, 42, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 through 30. Oh, yes, they're all waving at me, hi, youth, you're dismissed. (laughs) Uh, And all of the younger youth, you can stay with me. All of our young people are dismissed. All right, Acts 2.42, Matthew 26, verse 26. Let's all read Acts 2.42 together. We're going to put it up here on the screen. Ready? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Let's read that one more time. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. When we read this, this is it, the beginning of the early church. And Jesus has ascended. We know that they've gathered, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they don't have a church facility. They're going house to house. And how their service, if you will, or home gathering has been organized, it's all around. The doctrine of the apostles preaching that Jesus is Lord. Preaching what he taught them. The Holy Spirit's bringing it back to their memory. There's a time of their fellowshipping, being with one another. You know, it's important that we gather together. Look at your neighbor and say, I am glad you came today. Now make sure you mean that. All right? They gathered together. They broke Bread. It wasn't just a time of eating. Here's what we know that they were doing. They were breaking bread in a time of communion. Why? Because one of the last things Jesus had instructed them to do was to remember him. And as we'll see, the Apostle Paul said, as often as you do, you're also remembering that Jesus is coming back soon. And then they also took time and they prayed. Well, I wanted to stop first. In fact, if you would bow your head and close your eyes, because this is your time with God. Maybe because of the busyness of Christmas and New Year's Eve and New Year and all of the week, you haven't stopped and just called on the name of the Lord. You haven't spoken out anything yet about 2020 of what God is going to do. If we can stop for just a minute, and I want, us, I want to pray And I want us to start that. That was an important thing in the early church. So, Lord, as we come before you this day, Lord, we know that uh, you are the one that orchestrated the times and the seasons. You live outside of time. Yet for us, you have plans and purposes for our heart this year. You have plans and purposes for our family and family members. You're the one orchestrating and working on behalf of our employment, our businesses, the things that we do. You're also the God we can call to for health and healing. And so, Lord, as we start this year off, every heart has a call, I know, today. And so, Lord, we call on you. And even in the next few days and weeks, Father, would you purpose it in our heart? that we can proclaim things over our life for this year. The things that we want to see changed because you've spoken for it to change. Things that we would humble ourselves in because you've told us to humble ourselves and to do it. And Father, I pray that in our hearts, each and every one of us this year grow spiritually with you, connected with you, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, that your words come out of our our hearts and out of our mouths. And yet we would also do what Jesus told the disciples to do and passed it on to the early church. Let us this year be witnesses. Not just to the easier ones, but Father, wherever you send us to go, let us be your witnesses, we pray. Let us be people this year led by the Holy Spirit, directed, that you're ordering even our steps. And Father, I even pray in this time that we have together and even in the breaking of bread, our spiritual eyes are going to be open. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Um, in fact, Let me jump ahead here to Matthew 26, and I'll come back for a minute. Matthew 26. If you were to only have a few hours with the very ones you loved, and you wanted to pass on to them something, what would you say, right? Because it would be very important. It's the last words that you would want to say. You'd want to think about that. What would you want to leave to your kids? What would you want to say that they would grasp? What was, you know, probably many of us would start off and we'd say, hey, I'm sorry for when I did this. But what would we want to deposit? What would be the last things that we would say? Uh, If you make a note, you can look at it because in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we get a picture of the Last Supper of this time of communion. But in John... It's alluded to where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and then it just quickly mentions that they did this Passover feast, and then it goes right into the one that's going to dip their hand in the cup, catching Judas. And yet Jesus goes on from John 14, John 15, and John 16 to teach them about the Holy Spirit because the thought or the implication that Jesus was leaving confused the disciples. They were in this for the long haul, but he wants to teach them John 14, 15, and John 16 to talk to them about the Holy Spirit being with them. In fact, Jesus uses those words, nevertheless, I have to leave. If I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. Well, they didn't catch it then at all. But he mentions that as probably the last teaching time with the disciples. But then the last symbol that he wants to leave them with is what we're going to read here in Matthew chapter um, 26, verse 26 through 31. And it says this, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take This is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the mount of olives. So in the middle of this meal he takes bread and he breaks the bread to signify as they probably didn't catch it at all that his body was about to be broken for them. He takes the cup and as he has them drink it, he reminds them that this cup is a representation of his blood that was going to be shed with them. In fact, the next time I do this with you is going to be when you're in my Father's kingdom. Now, we get a better picture uh, today about that, but Jesus, as he's teaching them, he wants them to remember him by these two acts, breaking bread and by taking the cup. We remember the broken body of our Lord and we remember that his blood was spilled out for the forgiveness of our sins. You know, and I was reading through here, I think sometimes we focus just on the cup. I don't know why, but the two are inseparable. His body was broken for our healing. His blood was shed for our forgiveness. We can't we can't separate the two. The two are together and Jesus was the one that mentioned it. You know, I was thinking through when, um, when my kids were starting school and we would have to pack their lunch. I think something started to shift in society because instead of cutting up their fruit, their apples, we bought sliced apples. You ever seen those in the store? How long does it really take to cut an apple? 30 seconds, Right you probably could buy a pound of apples for what it cost one little pack of cut up apples. Do you remember when, um, and this has been a few years ago, everything was DIY or do it yourself? Do it yourself. And if you didn't know what to do, there were books that you could go out to figure out or you could go to your local hardware store. And if you'd never tiled a bathroom, Somebody would tell you how to do it, and you thought, Boy, how easy is this? Right? And then you found yourself in the middle of a project and you needed help. Well, today we have a lot of DIY. We go to YouTube, we go to other videos of people that are actually doing it to show you how to do it, and boy, isn't it so helpful. But I almost wonder if we've done a complete shift from do it yourself to do it for me slice my apples so i don't have i don't waste 30 seconds to slice slice my apples it's too laborious i have to cut the seeds out it could turn just a little brown if i pack it in the ziploc bag in their lunch i gotta make sure it's cold enough to last you know think about all of the things nowadays that really we are a do-it-yourself culture There's so many things at our grocery stores that are just heat and eat for dinner, right? Heat it and eat it. We don't take the time many times, do we, to fix something ourselves. It's easier for somebody else to cook it and for us to drive through and pick it up than it is for us to do it. And that kind of spills over into everything. Think about, um, I always crack up at these shaving clubs. I can sign up for a club and they ship the razors to my house. I don't have to go out and buy a razor. Think of all the things you don't have to go out. I don't have to go out and buy a razor. I can subscribe to a shave. What about the newer one, the clothing clubs? They send clothes to your house and you can try them on. If you don't like it, you can put them back in the box and send it on out. I guess does that work maybe for, for some of you? Everything seems to be something that is do it, for me, has that spilled maybe over into our spiritual life? That we become people that are dependent on something else, uh, that we won't take the time to dig in ourselves. Do it. For, oh, I watched this great teaching on YouTube or something, and yet I'm not actually acting it out in my life. Or I'm listening to this one worship song. And it's a do it for me. I don't really, I just like it. I'm not really entering into some heart of worship, but it's a, you know, do it for we. Have we allowed that to creep in that we need to get back into the do it yourself? Do it yourself. Dig dig back in. Jesus was hands-on with communion, right? He was hands-on, the broken bread and the body. There's a reason that we come together on Sunday. We're told to do it do it often. In fact, we're told not to uh, forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There's a reason we come together. There's a reason we open up God's word. We're to do it often. In fact, many times. Don't forsake it. We're doing it ourselves because it's what Jesus said to do. I was. Uh, listening to this pastor, that uh, because of the churches that they have, he actually films his sermon during the week, and then they just show it a video on Sundays. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'm going to do that from now on. I'm just going to film it on. So next Sunday, uh, I think I'm going to try skiing on Sunday. So please come, because I'm going to have a video up of me on Sunday waving to you to make sure. Now, do you like that? <laughs> All right. All right. Darn I wouldn't do that. Now, they're reaching people, right? I always think of the Apostle Paul with like the tools of today. I wonder how the Apostle Paul, he was so passionate about getting God's word out. I wonder what tool he would use today to reach out. That was his heart, to reach out to people. We're not to forsake. In fact, we read that Acts 2.42, they came together. There's something about coming together. It's one thing that if we talk on the phone, that's great. You text a little bit, that's okay. We send something on Messenger, but there's nothing like face to face. God's heart for us is a face to face. He sent His Son to be a face that could connect with people, who'd walk alongside of us, walk the same dust, work in the same places to be alongside of us. And Jesus now wants to uh, remind them, this is something I want you to do and do often. You know, I was going through the scriptures. In fact, let me read this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, um, the Great Commission. In fact, we read it at the end of Mark chapter 16, very similar, but it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, he's risen from the dead. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In fact, if you take this verse, if you take Mark and a couple other teachings, really, if we were to break it down, Jesus wants us to go and be witnesses everywhere in the world or whatever the world looks like for us. In Acts 1.8, he says, Go to your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I always like to think, go to the city. That you live in. Go to the county, go to the cross cultural areas, go around the world. Wherever God has called you, go and be a witness, but don't stop baptizing people. Don't stop witnessing to people. Don't stop being a disciple and also making disciples. Well, here's a good one for us, all of us in 2020 we're all supposed to be a disciple of the Lord. And a disciple follows the teacher. We're to follow the very teachings and the actions that Jesus did. In fact, tell your neighbor, this is easy for you this year. Just be like Jesus. Right? Easy? It's not easy, is it? No, he says, no, daily, uh, you need to take up the cross and follow me. Paul says, you need to crucify your flesh once a year on January, oh no, no, when is it? Every single day you crucify this flesh. You bring it back into alignment with what God had to say. Am I his disciple? Well, as we read that, one of the things that he also established with them is communion. We do it together once a month, but it doesn't mean you can't do it at home. In fact, I'd encourage you to always have some type of grape juice or something in your house, you're going to pass it by the grocery store, right? And all you do it yourself is you can order it online and have it shipped to your front door. Put it in your refrigerator so that you have it. So when there are times often that you also stop and that you receive communion to focus back in on the broken body of Jesus and on the forgiveness that he did. You know, when when I read Matthew 26 and I read 28, in fact, I want to pick this up in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Now, of the couple of times, how many of you had a mom that could get mad? All right. And it wasn't mad because she was just mad. You just did something to set them off. Anybody have that? You mean you just did something. And my mom could get uh, three boys back into alignment as quick as could be. In fact, she would get uh, upset. 1 Corinthians 11, let me get over there. Of the times I remember, in fact, it always was around spiritual things. And I think I've told you this story before. Uh, when I was in Christian school, and we'd always have verses to memorize. And they were in the King James Version. So there's a lot of verses I have memorized in the old King James. But what I did was we weren't allowed to go outside and play until verses were memorized. So I decided one day to write them all down on a 3 by 5 card, and I had a few of them. And I had my mom sit in the couch, and I scooted up so she could put her feet up so that I could hide my cards. That was, my, that was the intents of my heart. And I was going to, you know, try to look at these as my notes. Oh, she caught me probably into the third word, reached over them, and, she, you know, it was almost like you know, I'd committed murder. You lied about God's holy scriptures. Get in your room. You know, and I, my kids laugh now that we would actually get sent to our room without dinner. Right? I mean, that's like, what? Mom would do that? Yeah. Yeah, well, we, you know, we deserve it. The second time I remember my mom, uh, probably the most upset, we had gone to an Episcopal church in Almani. And I figured out that the father, he called the father, when he would do communion, we had communion every Sunday, but he would mix wine and water. So we figured out that it wasn't grape juice as kids because it was open. This was every week. And so every week when it came and you would sip the goblet, I would go. (laughs) I was probably nine or 10. I just did it every week. And then I did it with my mom next to me. I wasn't even thinking. And he poured it first because she was next. You know, kids do. Oh, let me tell you, she looked at me right then as if my son just committed the unpardonable sin and he's going straight to hell after the service. That's how I felt. She opened the Bible for me later that afternoon. And this is what we read. In fact, I wanted to read this. Uh, to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now in giving these instructions, look what Paul says. I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. This is the Bible, right? Remember, we we're all reading out of the Bible, right? This isn't, I'm not here to praise you. I, I'm hearing that you're not coming together for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be fractions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, And one is hungry and the other is drunk. What? (laughs) Verse 20 starts out with, what? Do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Do you despise the church of God and shame to those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? Look what he says. I do not praise you. Let me stop right there. So, um. Twice a month, we have food and fellowship time. Well, evidently, in the early church, this was before service. Well, there was people that showed up early, right? They were hungry, they were going to show up early, and they ate all the food. And so when everybody else showed up, there was no food. And then some people, when they showed up, they're already drunk. So here's this, like, before, and then the the Lord's Supper is out there, and people are eating that. And Paul, evidently, has caught wind from somebody, and he is blown away. And he's writing this not to praise them. He's going to set in order how they should act when it's a time of communion. So my mom's reading this to me, right? Letting me know you know, you you can't. And I remember I was like, oh God, forgive me, right? You know, I'm doing all these wrong. Well, we need to hear this, right? That's what the word does to us. It instructs us. So he goes on to put these things back in place. Look what he says in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Listen to verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In fact, I wrote in my notes the word you proclaim. What are you proclaiming? over your life in 2020? What are you saying about your life? Well, let's get back to what God says. In fact, as we read this, as often as you do it, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. When are we to stop doing communion? When he comes. And somehow after he comes, he mentions we're going to do it anew with him in his father's kingdom. It's going to be one of those things that we do to remember. Why will Jesus, for all eternity, have the scars in his hand and his feet and his side? Is it to make to belittle us that we always are in fear of? No, it's to show us what he did. That for all eternity, we will understand the sacrifice that he became for us. Not to belittle us but for us to understand the power of worshiping him and the sacrifice that he made. Notice he says, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death. You know, as we we come to communion time and we take the bread and we break it, I encourage you that you would proclaim over your life the very thing that you're believing God to heal you from. As we take the cup, that you would proclaim over your life. Thank God I have been forgiven for my sins, First John 1, 9. And if there's any struggles, addictions, anything that you're proclaiming that you're an overcomer this year, that those things will, will be broken. In fact, you know, early on, in Gal- or after in Galatians, Paul says these type of things again. These things I didn't receive from man. I received these things from God. Because remember, The Apostle Paul wasn't in the upper room. But the Lord impressed on him to write, to set these things in order, that as often as the church gathered, they would proclaim the Lord's death and remember him. In fact, you can read this later. You can write it down, Matthew 26 um, and Luke 22, when Jesus talks about his body broken. Well, how badly was his body broken? Severely beaten. The crown of thorns placed on his head, whipped 39 times, spit upon, mocked. We sang that song. He's high and lifted up. When he was high and lifted up on the cross, nobody gave him any praise. In fact, they despised him the more. He was speared in the side. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5, the prophet Isaiah has this image of probably not knowing what he's prophesying, but here's what he prophesies. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace... Was upon him, and by his stripes, say it with me: We are healed. First Peter chapter two verse twenty-four. Uh, Peter mentions very, very similar words, and he says, "You were healed by his stripes; you were healed." Every emotion that we go through, Jesus felt. There's not an emotion that you and I have gone through that Jesus didn't personally feel. Every single pain that we've ever been through or anybody's ever been through, Jesus felt that pain. But those stripes upon him, that chastisement that the Bible says, were for our peace. In fact, when Jesus cried out on the cross, uh, Father, don't forsake me, It was all of the sin, all of the sickness, all of the disease, past, present, and future that was coming upon him. And for whatever moment God had to turn, he could not look upon Jesus. Jesus felt every single one of those. Yet he says, break the bread to receive the healing because of my broken body. Drink the cup to receive the forgiveness of sins and that new covenant, because I bled for you. Uh, one last verse here, Luke chapter 24, verse 30 through 31. In fact, you can read this. This is the two guys on the road to Emmaus. And as they're walking, the Bible says, as they begin to talk about the things which were taking place, the resurrection, Jesus walked with them. And the Bible says that beginning uh, with Moses... He went through the prophets, and he began to talk about all through the scripture about the Lord. In fact, it says this um, in Luke chapter 24, 30 through 31. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. What was he signifying to them? Time of communion. Notice what it says. Then their eyes were opened. They knew him. They knew that was Jesus. Jesus. And he vanished from their sight. There's probably not a time of communion that I don't remember this verse. That when I break the bread, that my eyes are open. My spiritual eyes are open to see something in and through what Jesus has been saying. That I become clear. That I can see. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. Bow your heads with me as we prepare for our time of communion. Father, you, you show us, you teach us, in fact, we were just reading it in Genesis, that you are a God of covenants, that you've made covenant with us it's not to remind us of what we need to do it's to remind us of what you've done for us It's to remind us of your promises lord i pray today as we break the bread and we drink of the cup that we remember the words of jesus and the promises of jesus over our life that even today if there have been situations that we've been believing and trusting you for, I pray our spiritual eyes are open to see. And Father, we thank you that we do this often to remember what you did, your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. As our ushers come forward and they pass out the communion elements, you would take the bread and the cup and hold on to those and we'll receive those together in just a minute.
1: and see of the sweetest of love, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence. Jesus Lord Your presence, and slow Your grace There's nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare you are living Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence alone. Oh, present your presence slow
0: you know I always remember in these times that John 14 15 and 16. Jesus wanted the disciples to know that the Holy Spirit in them was more powerful than him walking alongside of them. It's so important, Jesus said, that I go. So when we take this, this is something spiritual taking place in our lives. It's we're remembering him. So I pray even during this time that there's something that you went back and you remembered that you need of the Lord to do in your life even today. Maybe today you come and you're standing in for somebody else. You're remembering that somebody's going through something and so when you break the bread, you're using it as an opportunity of like intercession because you're standing in for them. So as we come today, let's break the bread and to remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. Let's be healed in Jesus' name. You know, when I take the cup, I remember not only is it forgiveness of sin, but it's also forgiveness and healing from sin nature. That's what we read early on in Genesis. Everything shifted to a sin nature. Well, we're told and commanded we're to have a righteousness nature. So as we receive this today, our sins are forgiven because we confess them to the Lord. Those natures of the past are gone because Jesus has sacrificed himself and shed his blood for us. Let's receive that together. Stand with me if you would. In fact, we're going to sing this chorus because I love there in Matthew 26 that they all left singing a hymn. I don't know what hymn they sang, but it was something out of them. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to seal whatever... He's been speaking to your heart. Let's sing this chorus together.